0: Praise God for um, time of worship uh, this morning. Firstly, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mums out there uh, today. It's so good that you could join us uh, during this service. It is a very, very special day today um, in a lot of ways, um, but especially it's just a time and a moment to acknowledge just the amazing work that lots of mums do um, as well. I know, we, I know we say that every day is like a Mother's Day, but it's just a, it's just a beautiful time to acknowledge that so this morning I, I want to share with you what I think is a remarkable story of love in the family, a remarkable story between a mum and daughter, or if you like, a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. And I'm convinced, having read this book, I'm convinced, I'm, I'm without a doubt, that God at some point in, in history said, "How am I going to communicate to the world?" my the gift of my son to this world how can i what can i do what can i do to demonstrate the the gift of my son that i'm going to send to this world one day and he decided to write a love story he decided to write, write an incredible love story and he decided to do that through very very simple ordinary people people like ruth people like naomi um people like boaz and he decided to write this love story i'm convinced as a way to demonstrate his love for the world and how he was going to send his son to the world to save and to rescue us. Now, it is a true story. It is a true story of love, and we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at the beauty of this story and how beautiful Naomi's love was to Ruth and Ruth's love was to Naomi. We're going to look at that. I'd love to take you through every verse in this book, but, of course, Todd's not going to allow us to do that. But it is an incredible story of true lives loving each other And at the same time, it is an incredible story of God's love to this us and to His church and what he reveals to us in this book as well. So this is kind of a dual meaning, if you like, to this book. And I want us to have a look and to read through this. So if you can open up your Bibles to the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, it's a very, very small book. It's easy to miss. It's after the book of Judges uh, in the Old Testament, sort of closer to the beginning of the Bible, the book of Ruth. And we're going to just go through a, a bit of Chapter 1. You know, there's so much we could go through, seriously. You know, um, I, I kind of felt like I'd like to go through, you know, verse by verse with you of all four chapters. But um, this, is, this is just part of Chapter 1 that I want to read and share with you this morning about uh, uh, this incredible gift that God has given us, uh, to the capacity to be able to love the way God loved us. Now, last week I spoke about the only thing that you can really, really boast about at the end of the day, the only thing, you remember what I said? The only thing that you can really, really boast about is, think about it for a moment, as Christians is the cross because the cross is what sets us free from the old life and gives us a new life. It's the new creation. It's the life that comes only because of the cross. You can't boast in yourself. You boast in the cross because it breaks the works of the flesh and it also gives us the Holy Spirit, which the fruit of the Spirit from that is, what's the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And so this love that the, fruit, the Spirit of God works in our life allows us to live and love the way God intended for us to live. And so, so in, this, in this chapter uh, we see something of this incredible love because let me ask you this. If I was going to somehow title this, uh, it probably would be in a question. A bit more of a question rather than a a kind of a statement. It would be something like this How far, how far can love go? How far can love really, really go? You know, is there a point where love ends? Is there a point where you say, I'm done loving? I've given up loving. I can't love anymore. That's it. It's got to the point with this person, I'm going to not love anymore. How far can love go? Is it it until we feel we shouldn't love anymore? Is it to the point where we feel exhausted from loving? How far does does love go? And I want to suggest this morning, brothers and sisters, that love, listen, love will go as far as it needs to go. It will go as far as it needs to go because when it's wrapped in, listen, when it's wrapped in righteousness and truth, When it's wrapped in righteousness and truth, because they're key elements of love, you can't have love without righteousness and you can't have love without truth. We're talking about God's love here. When love is wrapped in righteousness and truth, it will go as far as it needs to go. And what we have to do is step aside with our human love, our earthly limited love, and with a pure conscience and with a pure heart, allow the Holy Spirit to come and flood our hearts with the love of God. This is the love of God. It's not limited by human love. It's not limited by human capacity. In fact, it demonstrates that humans are limited when we're flooded with the love of God. And so all of a sudden we know love with the love of God will go as far as it needs to go. Because think about it. Think about the people in your life. Look around you, the people at your workplace, the people, your circle of friends, your, your, your family members. Who do you find hard to love? Who do you find really hard to love? Who seems to always get in the way of your ability to love seamlessly? This is where God calls us as the people of God to take what is unnatural, unlikely, uncommon, and to demonstrate the love of God so that people look and think, wow. This is no longer human. This is supernatural. This is the love of God because God's demonstrating his love to me just like he demonstrated his love to the world and unlikely, uncommon people, a people unworthy, undeserving of the love of God. And so he puts the same love in our hearts and that is phenomenal because all of a sudden people of God live, live with the heartbeat of God himself. And so this passage here, talks a little bit about this. I'm going to read the first five verses. I'm going to stop. I'm going to share some thoughts with you. And I'm going to read the next, say, uh, verse 6 to 18 after that. So let's read verses 1 to 5 together. The Bible says, this is the book of Ruth, the Old Testament. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, yeah, a famine, and a certain man of Bethlehem. Now Bethlehem uh, is translated as house of Food or it could be house of meat, but a place you could say of eating food nourishment uh, of, of, um, of strength, you know these areas where it's a it 's a house of food or meat in Judah, and he went to dwell in the country of Moab, he migrated to Moab because there was a famine in Bethlehem. he thought that 's better let 's leave the house of food, nourishment strength let 's leave this place let 's go to another place, Moab. Which, um, which is away from his home, and let's find maybe something there that's better, that's helpful. Yes, so he, went to, he went to Moab and dwelt in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Eliminate, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons was Marlon and Kilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Tragic. He died in migration uh, when when he was in Moab. And and she was left and her two sons. So there's a situation where his husband's died. She's left now with her two sons. And they took wives of the women of Moab. They took the name of the one was Orpah, and the other the name was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Now, presumably, they didn't have children for 10 years. They were childless. They were married to these men, but they were were childless. Then both Marlon and and Killian also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So it's an incredible story. Here they were thinking they were going to perhaps um, um, uh, move on in life, succeed in life, get better in life. They left their homeland, they went to Moa, but all of a sudden tragedy hit. Naomi's husband dies sons marry after 10 years, presumably without having children, the boys die as well. That's why Naomi, when she goes back, says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because my life is bitter now. And so here she is with her two daughters-in-law. Here she is, Naomi, with her daughters-in-law, faced with a predicament, what am I going to do? I've lost my husband, I've lost my sons, I've got my daughters-in-law, and and where I'm going to be. And she begins to hear that things are getting better back home, back in Bethlehem. Things are actually getting better for her. Now, I think of this story, you know, and as we, as, we, as we begin to read, as we continue this story, what we start to see is incredible love between Naomi, her mom, the mum, and Ruth, the, the daughter-in-law. We see this incredible thing. And also I want to pause for a moment. I want you to think a little bit about what we understand about just being a mum. What, what we understand, with, I imagine, would have been similar for Naomi and a definitely, uh, a definitely a situation that we face today. I want you to consider for a moment because when people think about mums, there's all kinds of ideas people think about. People think about mothers, they've got all kinds of ideas. We heard that a beautiful children speak some beautiful words to, to their mums. But in reality, when people think of themselves as mums or people talk about mums, there's not a lot of appreciation that goes on. In fact, I would go as far as saying that generally speaking in society it's, it's thankless, unappreciated, devalued even and, and, and above all things, above all things kind of judgmental, like it's judged. And this idea of oh, she's not a good mum, she's, she's not mothering very well, what kind of mother is she? This constant and, and, and without anybody seeing in the background the hours and the effort that goes in just doing what they're doing. Some, some, someone wrote once um, that they were writing and they said, somebody said you learn how to be a mother by instinct. And then they wrote that somebody never took a three-year-old shopping. Someone never took a, you know, is it instinct? So try taking a three-year-old to the shopping centre. it? What do you do? How do you script that? How do you script how they're going to be? How are you going to script the kind of behavior they're going to have? They might have left the home happy, something might have happened in the car, or <laughs> everything goes wrong in the shopping center. You know, I learned a long time ago as a parent, I learned a long time ago as a parent never, ever, ever to judge a parent in public because of one thing I see their child is doing in the shopping center. I let long go. Why would I even consider making a judgement from one thing I see in a shopping centre when there's full of things around them that can distract their children? And so this role, incredible role, that God has put in place in the family, often not thanked, not that, not that they're looking for it, often unappreciated, often devalued and often judged. And yet, listen. When the woman takes on this wonderful, incredible gift that God has given and walks in the footsteps of Jesus, you know what I believe happens? God honours. God honours this incredible role that they have as they shepherd, as they shepherd the hearts of their children to him. It's an incredible thing. When the world is laughing, mocking, changing the whole role, God sees the individual women who for him continue to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, shepherding their children's heart, and he esteems it and he honors this and he and he it's a it's a blessing in his eyes because he sees the incredible work they're doing, not just to give their kids things, but to shepherd the heart of their children to Christ. It's a wonderful thing, wonderful, incredible, incredible gift. And I believe what happens is this beautiful connection that begins to happen with children and their parents or their mum because of this incredible love that is poured in, even when it's often unrecognised. There was a story of a Sunday school boy who had a play. He was doing a play, a Sunday school boy doing a play, and his mother was sitting in the front row. And the Sunday school boy couldn't remember his next line. He couldn't remember, it was getting stuck. And so the mother was trying to tell him, trying to tell him without saying any words, trying to prompt him with the words he said. And he still wasn't getting it, he was all putting it in blank. He wasn't getting what she was saying. So she went up to him and she, and she whispered the, the words in his ears and she says, I am the point of the world. That was his line for the play. And so he gets excited, he beams with excitement, he cries out, My mum is the light of the world. My, my mum is the light of the world. And, and I can just imagine he's excited because he's expressing what is true in his heart. My mum, yeah, my mum, she's the light of the world. you know? It's this incredible expression of love and, and honour and respect for, for his mum, what he knew his mum was to him. Little boy, why do we stop being little boys? Why do we stop being little girls? At what point, at what point, we call to stop honouring our parents? At what point do we, are we stop, uh, do we stop loving our parents loving our mums? At what point? When I read the scriptures, I see our responsibility all our life to the very, very last breath we take is the responsibility to honour our father and our mother. And so, we're going to stop being... Older boys, older girls. Let's step back and remember, this is a command of God. It's not based on who we are and how we feel. This is a command of God to honour a mother and a father. In fact, God goes and takes it to another level. What he does, he expresses himself. Perhaps God was thinking to himself, what about those who are incredibly difficult on these days? What about those who find it hard on these days, what experience life that's difficult in these times? What about those um, that, that struggle in these times as well? And so God expressed himself with the heart of a mother. I love how God because he, he all things to all people as, as he needs to draw them to himself. And Isaiah says this, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. He says, you know, I understand. I understand how a mother comforts her. Child, because you know what? With that same comfort, I'm gonna comfort you. Come to me, come to me. He makes himself irresistible it's incredible. He shows to sometimes most unlikely situations in Isaiah 49 he says, This can a woman forget her nursing child, so that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb, even if these may forget? Yet, I will not forget you. He says, You know what? I'll never forget you. Even if it was possible that a mother would forget her child, he says, Even if yes, I'll never forget you. So, come, he says, and he expresses himself this heart of a man because he wants to demonstrate something. And it's intrinsically valuable in all the mums that know and everyone that lives this life wants to express something that's incredibly powerful, and that is the love and the compassion and the nurture and the unfor- unforgetting nature of a mum to her child. Thank God for them. Now, it takes a heart and for everyone, particularly in the times of we live in isolation. Sometimes are going to want to take very, very heart because, because um, I can't see their children. I can't see their grandchildren. And all these times we have this loving father, this loving father who expresses himself, he expresses himself as a compassionate, loving God. Who expresses, the heart, who expresses the heart of the mum to his people. The scriptures give us lots of examples of um, people who are uh, both faithful in this role and, and sadly unfaithful in this role. Herodias in the New Testament is one of those examples of a mum who was, who was unfaithful in this role. She used her daughter, she used her daughter to, to dance before the king to get and to fulfil her own sinful desires. You know, she she used this role and manipulated it for wrong. You know, this, this was wrong. It was all about her. It was all, about, it was all driven to how she could fulfil her own sinful desires. Not good, not good. And there's lots of examples of mums in the scripture that talk about um, the, the incredible love, not only one I'm going to to look at in a moment, but the incredible love that, that they have. And I think of someone like Timothy in the New Testament where his grandmother Lois and his, and his mother Eunice were, um, were incredible women of faith. They, they, I believe, would have lifted out and, and communicated it to, to Timothy. And Timothy, because of this, the Bible says, had a sincere faith, a genuine faith, that was first found in his grandmother Lois and in his mother Eunice. Credible faith lived out in the home, nurturing the heart, shepherding the heart to Jesus. And now you have this story of Naomi. Naomi is left with her daughters and more. What does that mean? Isn't it interesting how today, um, for, some, for some reason, for some reason, when you think of mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, what do you think of? Do you think of happiness? When you think about when you think mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, uh, daughters-in-law. For some reason in our society today, when we think about this combination, there is, um, there is a, a, a worry that comes upon people's faces. There is always, it's generally spoken about in the negative. It's generally spoken about in some ways there's a problem and there's a problem in some way. And There's movies made in this book because people acknowledge there's something going on in this relationship. Now you can talk about it, you can understand the mind, you can understand the psychology of it, but at the end of the day there's there's something that generally people experience. In fact, one psychologist, listen to this, one psychologist wrote this. She said that over 60% of women report having a negative relationship with their partner's mum. They use descriptions about, by daughter in laws, use its daughters in law, use descriptions like um, capturing the relationships with their mother in law, including strained, uncomfortable, infuriating, depressing, draining, and simply awful. The most typical complaint daughter in laws, daughters in law have of their mothers in law are that they are overbearing, pushy, disrespectful of boundaries. What's going on here? It's, it's this kind of theme that we see in society. And you know what? It's the, tr- it's, it's the experience of a lot of people. But listen, I want to ask you something. Who has the issue? Who has the issue really? Remember, love will go as far as it needs to go when it's wrapped in truth and love, um, and it's wrapped in truth and righteousness. Love will go as far as it needs to go because it's what God did to us. Now, I'm, I'm, I believe, I believe in my heart that these, all these experiences, what they do to us, they bring us to a place where our own love is challenged, our own love is stretched until we come to a place where our pure conscience and our hearts are flooded with the love of God that we love others as they ought to be loved. So listen, whenever there is conflict like this, first place to look is here. What is going on here? Stop looking there. Stop looking at the person. What is going on here? Because perfect love is going to enable you and allow you to restore so many things. Maybe not straight away. Maybe not straight away. But in time, things are going to be chipped away. Because what God allows, He allows very unlikely scenarios to happen so that the unlikely will demonstrate the love of God. You might think this stuff that's unlikely. That's that's impossible. That's not going to be restored. Imagine. Imagine this, for example, a, a, a massive a massive block of ice, like huge block of ice between you and the person you find difficult in life. This block of ice, you can kind of see them fainting through the ice, but look, you know They're difficult. They're difficult. You know, it's the unlikely person that you would get along with. It's the person who's making life hard for you. The person who's, um, you know, pushing your, your, your pressing your buttons all the time. The person who's between you and this, the block is between you and this person. And God says this to you. Listen, he says this. Every time you love them, every time you love them with the love of Jesus, every time you're kind to them, every time you forgive them, every time you're merciful, every time you show gratitude, every time you do this, a little bit of drip comes off the ice, a little bit of water comes off the block. And you think, whoa, seriously? How long is it going to take me? Well, listen, it doesn't matter because love will go as far as it needs to go. This is the love of Christ. And every time you love them, every time you love them, what's going to happen? A bit of water comes off that ice and slowly, slowly, the love of Jesus, the, the hardness of what's going on between you and this person is being broken down until his love breaks through. This is the love of Jesus because what Jesus does is this. He demonstrates this to us because he goes to those who are unlikely. Remember Jesus did the same thing. Jesus went to the sinner and he went to the marginalized. He went to the people in community, he went to the people around him who everyone else didn't want to go to. you've got people like that around you, kids at school you've got people like that around you no one wants to go to. no one wants to speak to no one wants to kind of hang around with you know you've got people like that Are difficult people people in meetings that always say difficult things you know people who kind of get under your skin a lot easier these are the people God loves you to go to and to love them with the love of Jesus and every time you love you drip away a bit of ice until the love breaks through because this is love based on truth and righteousness you know why beloved I'm so convinced because it's what Jesus does because listen You've got to stop and think to yourself, it's what he did for me. You think you were lovable? Really? You think you were really lovable? You think God looked at you and thought, oh, you're so lovable. I just love the way you do things. I love your smile. I'm so overwhelmed by your smile that I just can't help save you you think you're really lovable? You're so kind to people. I just want you in my kingdom because you're such a kind person. You're such an incredibly gifted person. I want you in my kingdom. Really? Do you think how God thought about us? No. He looked at us and he saw that we were the most unlikely, unlovable people because this is where God's love was for us. He saw it people. Listen to what the Bible says. That while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Listen. This is Romans 5. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. You know what? If there's a good person and a righteous person, maybe, maybe someone would consider dying for them. But he says this, no, this is not how God did it. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the love of Christ. and every time you love this person, every time you chip away with love and persistence and kindness and mercy and forgiveness, you drip away, you drip away the hardness between the two of you and you show the love of God. you say it's too difficult, it's too hard. yeah this is God's love for us because he saw us and we were we were difficult. you understand? We were resistant. We were hypocritical. We were two-faced. And God saw all this and what did he say? Did he said, oh, too hard for me? No. because I'm going to go to the place that is the most unlikely and I'm going to keep loving and loving and loving until his love broke through and now our hearts can't help but love him back with everything because his love persisted. Imagine if God gave up halfway and thought, too hard, too difficult. I can't do this anymore. You're doing my head in. What's going on here? Imagine if God did this. This is not the love of God, but, beloved, listen, when our human love and human effort get in the way, we can't love the way God loves. We're going to find things about people we're going to judge. We're going to pick on things about people. We're going to do things that's going to make us feel better about ourselves. But no, the issue is me. The issue is you. You need to resolve this in your heart and love with the love of Jesus and let the love of Jesus break through. Naomi and um, Naomi and, and Ruth's love is like this. because Listen, we, what, this is the love that God has called us to because Jesus said, what reward is it if you just love those who love you? Didn't he say that? That even the tax collectors do the same, even the, the ones who are unliked do the same. What reward is it if you just love those who love you? What, what benefit is it if you just greet those, you greet your brothers, but to do it to those who are unlovable, to do it to those who find you find it hard to love, great becomes your reward. This is the love of God. And so Naomi and Ruth, uh, she's left with her daughters-in-law. Now, does she say to herself, oh, my goodness, daughters-in-law? Out of all the people in the world, why them? Give me someone else, you know? did she she follow the the philosophies of the psychologist I read before? Does she... Follow the examples and experiences of people today No, She knew something deeper and this love they had between us. You know, when I read about Naomi and Ruth, I see two people who can't stop thinking of each other. They can't stop thinking of each other. Their love for Ruth's caring for Naomi, Naomi's caring for Ruth, Ruth wants to look after Naomi, Naomi wants to look after Ruth, and they can't stop loving each other. It reminds me it's a beautiful picture of God and how he describes his thoughts towards the church, how he says they are innumerable like the sand of the sea. It's this incredible love that God has for his people. We wake up, he thinks about us. We go to bed, he's thinking about us. We're going through a trial, he's thinking about us. We're having a good time, he's thinking about us. He can't stop thinking about us and we can't stop thinking about him. How precious the psalmist says are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them? If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you, Psalm 39. Incredible love between the Father of God and his people, and incredible love between Naomi and her daughter in law. So, verse 6 Then she arose with her daughters in law, that she might return from the country of Moab. Remember where they migrated to? For she had heard the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people. By giving them bread. He'd given them bread back in Bethlehem, the house of food, the house of meat. He'd given them bread back there. Verse 7, therefore she went out from the place that where she was and her two daughters in law with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. Now, they're on their way, and Naomi realizes something. As much as I love these girls, as much as I love them, I can't do this to them. What am I doing to them, making them come back with me or allowing for them to come back with me? So she says something. She turns around and says, no, and he said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each to their mother's house. Each of them mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Go. She gives them what love does. She gives them the freedom. She says to them, you're not obligated. Please, you're not obligated to do this. You're free. Go. It's almost like now they have a choice. What are they going to do? Because this is the love of God. The love of God doesn't pull you by the ear and say, come with me. The love of God says, come unto me. This is the love of God. It gives us a choice. And so Naomi's saying to Ruth and Opa, oh, listen, I understand it's hard. I'm not making you do this because love has to be driven like this. It's not driven out of obligation, it's driven out of choice. And the love of God that fills our heart makes us choose to love. This is the beautiful thing. And this morning, if you're struggling to love people or love someone based on truth, it is on your knees you find yourself calling out to God, saying, Lord, deal with it within. I want this to come flowing from you and your Holy Spirit because in you I can go as far as I need to go, even all the way back to Bethlehem. And here it is Naomi saying, you've got freedom to go. You've got freedom to go back. Verse 9, she says to them, and it gets harder. It sort of becomes more testing for Oprah and for Ruth. It's becoming more challenging now because it's not as simple as go back. There's some challenges here now. And so just like our love, there's going to be challenges in the love that we have to, we, love isn't smooth all the time. When, does, when, when did we say, when does the Bible ever say love comes without conflict? Does anyone know of love without conflict? Oh, I don't know. I haven't experienced love without conflict. There is conflict in love because we love each other. There's conflict in love. But love always, always prevails over this conflict when it's done in truth and in righteousness. It always prevails. This is the beauty. Don't be scared of conflict. Be scared when you resist the love of God in your heart in dealing with this conflict. And so this challenge is here, verse 9. And the Lord said, um, and the Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. And so she kissed them. She kissed them. Okay, so the Lord grant that you would find rest in uh, the house of your husband. Now it's almost like go and find rest. Because you're not going to find it here, maybe. Go and find it back in your place. Go and find some kind of enjoyment in life. Go back and do it this way. Go back and find rest this way. You're not obligated. Go find rest. Go enjoy life. You know, hey, it doesn't sound bad. It doesn't sound bad. It's... Boy, it doesn't take much of a sacrifice, you know, to go back and find rest. Maybe I'll find myself a husband back in Moab, you know. I'll hear about my, my situation and they'll want to help me out here. I've got no kids. Maybe they'll, they'll love me. And so this is go and enjoy. Go and enjoy uh, and rather than the, the challenge and the sacrifice of coming back back with me. No mistaking thinking about them. And then she they lifts up their voices, the Bible says, and they wept. And they wept. I love this passage. Because Naomi's starting to tell them truth. She's saying, look, don't come with me. It's going to be hard for you. Go back. You're not obligated. Find rest and do this. And they just start to cry. It's very emotional. Very, very emotional what Naomi's saying to them. And you know what? Love is full of emotions. It's full of emotions. You know, we can come to church and we can... We can be emotional. We can cry. We can we can sing. We can sing songs and start crying. We can pray and start crying. We can read the word and start crying. At the end of the day, emotions are part of life. They're part of life, and anything can trigger an emotion. Anything can trigger a tear. Some people are easier to cry than other people. But at the end of the day, when God looks through all the emotions, what he's looking for, and emotions are good. I have no problems with emotions. I think if you can cry, cry. Cry your heart out. I don't care. But when you break through all the emotions, what God is looking for is devotion. You understand? A devotion. That's what he's looking for. At the end of the day, what God is looking for, when all your tears are dried, are you devoted? And what we see here between Ruth and Orpah is very different people. Both cried, both cried. But when it was all washed away, what was their devotion going to be? And so verse 10, the Bible says, and they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. <laughs> so once once they were confronted with all these things, they said, no, 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 we know what we want to do. We want to go back. We want to go back. And how many promises do the people of God make? How many promises did the people of God make to God? We want to do this. We want to commit my lives to you. We want to to do it your way, God. We're going to read your word. We're going to give up our lives for you. And there's all these promises after the emotions of things, after we've had an incredible um, prayer experience or we've heard an incredible word and we're all emotional. We want to commit. We say, no, we're going to do this God your way really? What happens when the challenge intensifies? What happens when the challenge even gets harder? What happens when people come against you and say, you're crazy, what are you doing? What happens when there's opposition for the faith and all of a sudden the philosophies of this world sound really appealing because they will give you rest. They will give you an ungodly rest, a rest in this world, an earthly rest, rather than the rest that comes from Jesus. And so here the people, um, they they say, no, we want to, we want to go. And then Naomi, beautiful Naomi, I love Naomi, beautiful Naomi starts to speak truth to them even harder because love must be spoken in truth. Love and truth go hand in hand. You can't have love without truth. I'm talking Christian love. You can't have love without truth. You can't have truth without love. This is This is the love. This is Jesus. Jesus spoke love and truth. This is the Christian love and truth. And so she starts to speak truth to them and she says this to them. She says, Um, Turn back, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight, and I should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they are grown? Would you um, restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters. But it grieves me very much for your sakes, but the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And so what Naomi says to them is go back. Listen, you've got to consider the cost here, girls. You've got to consider the cost. I can't give you children. Even if I had a husband tonight and I bought children, if, if that was possible, you're not going to wait. This is the cost. This is the cost. And this is what Jesus said to the church. This is the cost. Are you prepared to give up everything to follow me? Are you prepared to give up perhaps even all your dreams to follow me? Are you still holding on to something that you think is going to make you happy or will you come and follow me with everything of your life? What do you need to let go of to give everything and surrender to the one who is worthy to be trusted? Okay, now the story changes. And just like the two thieves on the cross, one decides they want to believe, and the other says, no, I still, I'm going to give my heels." I heard the same message, just like today. People are hearing the same message, and it's incredible. You'll have some people today that will say, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I, I, I was moved by your spirit, and it's drawn me closer to you. You'll have some people who will be like, oh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a nice message. You know, it's okay. And then you'll have someone say, no, forget it. not interested. They might not say it with their words, but in their hearts, they're not interested. They're not interested at all. They, by 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 eleven forty-five, they're not even thinking about it anymore. Verse fourteen. Then they lifted up their voices and they wept again, more emotion. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Orpah kissed her, basically. See you later. I've got to go. I understood. I can't do this. I've got to go. It's like the man on the cross who said, you know what, um, and he criticises Jesus. He doesn't want this. But Ruth could not help but cling to her mother-in-law. Very different to what this psychologist was talking about. She loved her. She would not let go of her. This is the love that Jesus puts in our hearts to all people who seem to be difficult to us. This is the love that drives us because it will go as far as it needs to go, even to Beth. Verse 15, and they said, Look, and she said, Look, your sister in law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister in law. And so there's more of a test for Ruth. Now it's like just when you feel like you've done it, you've committed, you've made this work, all of a sudden there's another challenge. And all of a sudden, Ruth's name is just the Ruth, Ruth, go back. Go back to your people. Go back to your gods. Go back with your sister-in-law. Go back to the things that you're familiar with. Go back to the gods that you love. Go back to the people you love. Go back to your sister-in-law that you love. Go back with her. But when you see the incredible love of God and what he's done for you, just like I believe Naomi would have shown Ruth, when you see that and it works in your heart, there is no place you can go but where Jesus goes. And that's why when Jesus said to Peter, to his disciples, when all the disciples started to walk away, he says, Are you going to go? And Peter says to Jesus, Where am I going to go, Lord? Where are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. You have the words to eternal life. And when God transforms you and makes you from a bitter person to a loving person, from a hateful person to a merciful person, this is the experience of conversion. When God takes you from being unforgiving to someone who forgives, when God changes your heart like this and you see once and for all how much he loved you. Remember Jesus says, those who are forgiven much love much. Remember he talked about this? Because when you realise just how much he's forgiven you. There is no better place you want to be. There is no place you want to go than where Jesus is. problem is with Christians sometimes they come to Jesus for a better life, but they don't realise they have to come to Jesus because they themselves have sinned against the Holy God and they themselves have done things that are incredibly wrong. Even if it's not seen wrong in society, it's incredibly wrong before a Holy God and God forgives them because they have forgiven much. They love much. When you look at someone and say, oh, I is not as bad as him, you haven't understood the gospel. You get that? You haven't understood the gospel. When you look at someone and say, they're not as bad as me, no, you are the worst. Do you know why I say that? Because I'm the worst. I'm the worst. And so I see this as the love of God shedding abroad in your hearts. It's wonderful truth. And so she's challenged again, go back to the gods. And so then she says what she's famous for. Ruth is famous for this passage. People quote her all the time. Hopefully the background has helped a little bit. And so she says these famous words, and I'll I'll start to wrap it up. She says this, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Think about the church now to Jesus. You know, Christian, if you're you're a Christian today, you understand what I'm talking about. These are the desires of your heart, not because of emotions, not because of tears, not because of words of promise, like all promised the first time but then left the second time after the second challenge. Not because of words of promise and with tears of, of, of excitement or tears of emotion, but this is the genuine truth of a Christian that says, all for you, Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. This is the Christian. This is the church. This is the bride of Christ. This is the bride who, who people leave but they stay. People, people go back and, and look at the compromise and, and they're not moved by the compromise of other people. If you wanted to look at this as Oprah was compromising, Ruth looked and she wasn't moved by the compromise of people. She wasn't moved by the choices of people. She wasn't moved because people decided to go back to their worldly ways. No, she stood steadfast in the faith. All to Jesus, I surrender. Even if people in churches all around you start to compromise, you stand fast for the one you love because they are worthy to be loved. And so she says, "I'm um, from following after you. wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you go, wherever you lodge, I'm going to lodge because I want to abide in Jesus. I want to abide in my Saviour. lodge where he is because if I lodge with him, I'll bear much fruit because the love of Jesus compels me to abide in him. Where would I want to go? Stepping outside of the love of Jesus. The psalmist says, I rejoice when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. And then she says, and your people will be my people. I want, and she says, and your God, my God. I don't want my old life. What I want is a life with God as my God, not my, my earthly gods, the gods of idols of and money and, and fame and, and amusement. I don't want these gods. I want the God of gods. I want the king of kings. And I want the people of God to be my people. I want to enjoy the presence of God and God alone. with anything, anything is going to rob me from this, then these things, I will discard them because they are robbing me from the love of God, which is the most greatest experience in the world. The Bible says, Taste this and taste and see that the Lord is good. My friends, the only reason you don't want God is because you haven't tasted Him. But when you taste Him, you will notice and you will know there is nothing more tasty, there's nothing more beautiful than the love of God who goes to the, to the ends of the earth to find you. This is my people, your people will be my people, your God, my God. Verse 17, and where you die, I will die. I will give up my life for this. And where and there I'll be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also if anything, if anything but death parts you and me. Nothing will separate us from the love of God because our hearts, because of the strength of his love and our absolute devotion and surrender to him. This is the love that uh, goes to the unlikely in order that we would create a a relationship that is deeper than any human love can take. Do you know this love? Do you know this love? Verse 18, did we read it? And when she saw that she was determined (laughs) to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. It's done. It's finished. It's finished. I can't stop her. Here is the bride. Here is the church. Here is the Christian. Here is the one who will not forsake her husband, or in this case Naomi, who will not forsake the one she loves. So she trusted Naomi. She knew everything Naomi said, she said because she loved him, And just and, and like when we hear the words of Jesus, when sometimes they, they seem harsh, they seem tough, Wow, Lord, how am I going to do this? But what what, um, deepens our conviction, what drives our motivation far more than the words on the page is the conviction and the belief that His love for us can never be questioned. And if He says, Lord, if He says, do this, I say, Lord, I'll do it. You're going to give this up? Lord, I'll give it up. You're going to surrender this? Lord, I'll surrender it. You're going to come and follow me? Lord, I'll follow you. But Lord, just make me genuine, genuine in my faith. She could go after Naomi because she knew Naomi could be trusted. Friends, brothers and sisters, the love of God, the love of God that goes as far as it needs to go, can be trust me? We give it up all. We give all of, it, all of it, the rest of it up, the earthly pleasures, uh, the, the sinful desires, uh, the food of this earth, um, the pleasures that are taking you away from God, where you give it all up and go back to the house or the place of the house of food, the place where you're really nourished, the place where your soul is really nourished. And if you're still hanging around Moab, thinking that somehow you get some next beautiful fix and you're robbing yourself from the love of God that reaches out to you, that goes as far as you can, who will go as far as you can in truth and in righteousness to reach you, take you back to a place where your soul can be fed and where we your soul is cared for. And today, my friends, today, if you struggle to love in this way, if you struggle to love, then I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to call upon the name of the Lord as you, as you relinquish, as you relinquish control, as you relinquish um, uh, holding on to your own ways, as you relinquish to methods that you think are going to work, and in particular, most importantly, as you relinquish the sin that's getting in the way, the love of God will flood your heart. And this morning, if you think, you know, what I've been dabbling in a life that's kind of really not giving me anything. It, yes, it satisfies, satisfies me for a moment and I'm, God, I'm hungry still. Come to the bread of life. Come to the bread of life this morning. It's Jesus that reaches out and says, come unto me. Come unto me, all those who labour and heavy labour, and I'll give you rest." This is the message for us this morning. We thank God for the beautiful... Uh, uh, love that he puts in the hearts of our sisters as mums. We thank God for this. We thank God for their their commitment to shepherd the hearts of their children. We we continue to pray for them, but we particularly thank God for the way he loved us, how he reached out to us, how he uh, uh, um, called us, and how he worked in our hearts that we would give him everything. Absolutely. All to Jesus. All to Jesus, I surrender. Let's pray this morning. Let's pray together. Let's come and give the Lord this morning the the glory that he is worthy of. So let's pray together as a church. Father God, we thank you for the incredible love of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that despite the challenges of life, you have put your love in our hearts, this love that is driven by truth, It's driven by righteousness. And, Father, we thank you first and foremost that you've called us back to a place of food, a a place where our soul is nourished, a place where our soul is fed, that we give up, Lord, we give up all the things of this earth that claim somehow to give us anything greater than you can. Thank you, Jesus. And, Lord, we pray that this love would flow through us seamlessly, Lord, to those around us, that they may witness and experience a love even if it's just dripping away, a love that does not give up, a love that never fails. And, Father, we thank you. Work in our hearts first, Lord, before we look for others to change. Work in our hearts, Lord, with this incredible love that floods our hearts. And may we, Lord, through faith in you, go as far as love leads us to go. We thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.